You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Shalom, Chavarim Shalom. That means peace to you, our friends, in Hebrew. In fact, that word is actually going to sneak itself in to the following Prophet Pearl section. This is Keith Johnson along with my friend, Nehemia Gordon. We are ready again at the end of the calendar year to take another peek into the prophets to see if we can find even more pearls to share with you. Shalom, Chavir Shili. Atamuchan. Are you ready? I am ready, my friend. Let's do it. Ah, I'm excited. Go, boy. I can't believe it. We're already at the end of this calendar year. <laughs> this is the last, actually, Shabbat of the calendar year. We're around the world. That's right. People will be uh, opening uh, the, Torah, uh, the, 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 the prophets. They'll be opening the Torah, not only in synagogues, Nehemiah, but also in uh, congregations and, and fellowships. Many people that aren't a part of an official uh, fellowship are actually following the reading of not only uh, the uh, the Torah portions, but of the prophet sections. And I'm so excited that we have been able now, this will be, I mean, we've been doing this now for some time. We're in our, I think, our 11th? The 11th episode. The 11th episode. And we're almost so done with Genesis. Wow. The second to last. <laughs> second to last to Genesis. So we're going to get started. We're going to be looking in uh, in the book of Ezekiel. And I have to tell you, this book is, uh, is, is uh, I don't even know how to say it. It's, it's very, very important. Uh, to me personally, and we can talk a little bit about that mm. as we get started. Yeah. But you know, it's 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 sometimes I got to tell you, it's frustrating, Nehemia, mm-hmm. that we that these sections are what they are. And some people say, well, why didn't you address this section? And why didn't you address that section? And what about <clears throat> this verse and that verse? And we have to kind of pick and choose about giving context. But really, we have to focus in on the section mm-hmm. that is the prophet uh, the, the prophet section. Right. And so there are these traditional sections of the prophets that correspond to the uh, Torah portions. Of course, the 54 Torah portions cover the entire five books of Moses. Mm-hmm. The prophet portions only... You know the original uh, Torah pearls. We did that entire thing. Right. right. In the original Torah pearls, we did the entire five books of Moses. The in- verse three or four verse. years ago. No, I mean, yeah. It's it was amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, but the prophet sections, the traditional prophet sections read in the synagogues only cover about 12% of the prophets mm. section of the, the Bible. Is that the percentage of that? I actually looked it up. It's 12%. I mean, wow. I, I calculated it myself. Wow. With, based on number of verses, not number of words. Um, yeah. <laughs> but number of verses is 12% of the verses approximately. And um, so, so can I so, be clear so before he, you go? Yeah. Though, I want people to understand that you and I didn't sit down and say, let's find the uh, sections that we'll read uh, on the prophets. In other words, these are historical uh, uh, sections that have been that have been that are matched. I mean, matched yeah. based on by the content. Right. And um, and actually, there are certain sections where there are different traditions about, exactly. you know, w- what to read for. Uh, although in, th- in this particular one, Vayigash. Uh, most Jewish communities, in fact, read what we are going to uh, discuss today, which is Ezekiel thirty-seven, fifteen to twenty-eight. Um, actually, Karite Jews, uh, some Karite Jews have a different tradition, which is to read this week Joshua fourteen six to fifth through fifteen. But we'll leave that for a different. Wait, wait, discussion. so so we're not going to go um, by by the Karite tradition, though. Your Karite. No, th- these are all traditions. You know, we're not saying that the prophets came and they said, "Thus shall you read in the week in which you read." You know, Genesis forty four. You shall. No, that's not at all what we're saying. What we're saying is, what originally happened is the Jews were forbidden to read from the Torah by the Greeks. The they came along and said, "We got to read something in the prophets that remind us of the Greeks." Uh, sorry, <laughs> remind us of the, um, yeah. of the of the Torah portion for the week. Um, the the sections we read today may not be what was read in you know the second century BC. Exactly. I mean, the Jewish communities were scattered throughout the world, and they developed lots of different traditions. 
Um, just to give you an example, for Vayetze, they're really they're all reading from Hosea roughly the same chapters. But for example, the Jews of Europe, the Ashkenazim, would read Hosea twelve thirteen to fourteen ten. But the Sephardim, the Jews of North Africa and the Middle East, would read Hosea eleven seven to twelve twelve. So there was a tiny overlap of like you know of two verses. But and of course, you know the Methodists we read a different section. Well, I don't know what the Methodists read. I don't know anything about that. So I'm just saying there are different Jewish uh, traditions yeah. about these things. Um, and we've really chosen just simply the most common one as, as a point of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really what I'm going to struggle with today is to focus on Ezekiel 15 to 28 and not Ezekiel 1 to 14, which is what I really want to talk about. <laughs> well, we're going to, we are going to be true to what we're, what we said we would do. But again, when it's important and contextually context wise, we have to be able to take a look at what's right. going on. Like we did last week. Like yeah. we did last week. So before we get started, Nehemia, would you, uh, you did a <coughs> phenomenal job of giving a little, what I call a little context historical context of who the person is, mm. uh, Ezekiel. And I have something, actually, I want to bring up uh, maybe a little bit after that. But first, give you a little nuts and bolts yeah. on the background to the book. So and, did and you know that Ezekiel was the first Tel Avivian, the first man to live in Tel Aviv in all really? of history? Or really? the first Jew, I should say, that we know of. Really? Did you know that? No, I did not. So Tel Aviv is a modern city that was you know, established in Israel in 1909. It never existed before that. Um, there had been a Canaanite city called Yafo on that site um, in biblical times. But, it, but Tel Aviv, that name appears in the book of Ezekiel as a location in Babylon where Ezekiel at least one point was located. So that's really interesting about Ezekiel, that he, he, uh, he was one of the few prophets um, mm-hmm. who prophesied in Babylon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could say Jonah kind of did because he was in Assyria. But really, other than Jonah, and who, who has like a one word, one, one verse prophecy, mm-hmm. um, you know, 40 days in Nineveh is overthrown. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel is our Babylonian prophet, the, the Jewish prophet in Babylonia. He was taken as, in exile and went to Babylonia and prophesied from there from Babylonia. And, and it's interesting because most people, you know, speak about the destruction of the temple. But what they don't realize is that. The Babylonians destroyed really the kingdom of Judah in two phases. Mm-hmm. In 597 BC, they really took the the elite of Judean society as exiles into Babylonia, um, into Babylon, and um, and between 597 and 586, that period of 11 years, Judea was this vassal state, basically mm-hmm. like you know. Um, I don't know, like Puerto Rico is to America. And, um, you know, not an independent state, subjugated by Babylonia. And then in 586 BCE, they rebelled. And then the Babylonians came back and finished the job and destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. And um, so Ezekiel is from the 597, from the first wave of exile. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of his prophecies will take place between the two exiles, meaning between 597 and 586. So he's in exile, but but the temple's still standing. Hmm. And then part of his prophecy then continues after the temple is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, it's interesting for me. I, I was... Um uh, I, I oftentimes have to refer back to what, what happened to me in the book of Ezekiel is, is a really important oh, yeah. aspect because right. when I was, before I ever knew anything about going to Israel, though I, I have to say I went to Israel in 1980, uh, I think it was 1988, in the fall of 1988. And when I went in 1988, you could still do things like go inside the uh, Golden Dome and uh, go up mm-hmm. on the on the Temple Mount. There weren't. And did you do it? The, I absolutely did in oh. 1980. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I went up there. Went into the to the uh, to the dome of the rock, they call it, and saw all those sort of things. But but in in two thousand and and uh, in, in two, I basically is when I went, and, and that's where I met you. And really, it was the book of Ezekiel that caused me to be sitting here with you today. 
that the book of Ezekiel, in fact, the first verse, uh, I'm sorry, the third verse, where um, I had this dream, and in the dream, this, this voice, lady's voice says, you tell me where the scroll opens up, you win a million dollars. I said, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 3. And what's so funny, Nehemiah, is I had this dream. I go to Israel. I, I meet you. I, the Torah scroll, anyone who hasn't heard the story, it's all available. You can go to bfainternational.com, the front page, about our ministry, and you'll hear about it. But the thing that's amazing to me is that for years, I never looked to see what Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 3 said. <laughs> So in other words, I have this dream that says, wow. go to the land and meet you. And I never go to the to the verse. And part of the reason, I have to be honest, is uh, I was a little nervous. You were. I, as I thought about it, I was nervous. And when I opened it up, there's this 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 phrase that really <laughs> is really cool to me. In Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 3, in English, and I'm reading out of the NASB, it says, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, son of Buzi. And I love the fact that, it, I love that name. In the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and there the, la- the hand of Yehovah, the hand of the Lord was upon him. So when I open a Hebrew Bible, it starts out and it says, Hayo haya davar Yehovah. And mm. this phrase is so cool. Yeah. Because first of all, you can't find that exact phrase anywhere else in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You can't find it anywhere else in the Tanakh. But the construction of the phrase you do find where, you know, you have two different words that are kind of, and, and in English what they say is, and the word of the Lord came expressly. That's the way that they're trying to communi- communicate it. But when when I went to open this 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 verse and look at it in the, in its text in the in the original uh, language, I actually got kind of excited because I felt like it was sort of rhythmic. Hayo haya devar Yahweh. Hayo haya devar Adonai. Hayo haya devar Hashem. No. Hayo haya devar Yehovah. It's yeah. like it's rhythmic, yep. And that phrase, it's like it's in English. It's saying it came expressly. And for me, when I when I when I did finally look at that verse and went further to look at the verse at the end where it says, "In the hand of Yehovah was upon him," I have really uh, felt. Uh, I felt I felt excited. I, I never read the verse before. At least I didn't know anything about it. Never memorized it. And mm. it's what showed up in my dream. And now here we are doing prophet pearls together, and we're talking from the book of Ezekiel. Yep. <laughs> I'm just excited about that. So anyway, yeah, uh, that is exciting. It, it, so it's Ezekiel, and I mean, you know that the book of Ezekiel was really important for me as well. Really, because you know, uh, and I don't know. That's the reason that we're sitting here together. But definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I experienced was an encounter with God's name mm. in the original Aleppo Codex, mm-hmm. and that was in the book of Ezekiel. I was you know, sitting there side by side on that fateful day, and people can go to Open Door Series to hear about it, mm-hmm. um, you know, a day that changed my life, a day that changed the world. And, and there, side by side, there was the printed text in the Aleppo Codex, and I'm looking along, and, the, and it has the missing vowel that I talk about. And then all of a sudden, I found the vowel wasn't missing, and that was in Ezekiel. You remember what verse it was? Not off the top of my head. No. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> well, I know my verse. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 3. Okay. <laughs> so let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 15. Can I start mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you, and you I believe these... it was actually the verse which says, mm-hmm. um, That was the verse, which I couldn't tell you the chapter and verse number 4, because I don't memorize those things usually, mm-hmm. but... Mm-hmm. Um, I could look it up in my little program. It was Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 12. There it is. And, we're and so people close. could look there and they'll see the Yehovah with the they'll full vowels. They'll see the full yeah. vowels. If they're looking at the actual manuscript, they will see that. Won't yeah, they, they will. Um, and you can actually see that online today, which is really cool. Yeah, they have. I'm a, actually on the website right now while Keith is talking yeah, about Yeah, you hear those story. clickings? Click, click, click. That's Nehemiah looking at, uh, the, at, at the manuscript. Ezekiel chapter yeah. 37, verse 15. Now the word of Yehovah came, the word of the Lord came again to me saying. Now it says came again. 
in the phrase itself, it just says, and, and the word of the Lord came to him. But one of the reasons I think for this, and we can check a little bit of the context, is that he'll have a, he'll have a section, and we've talked about this before in Isaiah, or we've talked in other mm-hmm. prophets, where there'll be a section, and the word of Yehovah came, and then there'll be this information, and then the word came. And so right So yours this, says again? Yeah, it says it again. Yep. So, so that, well, it doesn't say again. Yeah. I don't accept that. I mean, there's places where it actually says again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what they're doing is they're interpreting the word va, which is and in Hebrew, the, the Hebrew vav. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, like in the JPS, it says the word of the Lord came to me. There's no and. Yep. Um, there's no, there's no also or, or again. Mm-hmm. Um, it literally says, and, literally it says, uh, and the word of Yehovah was to me saying is what it mm-hmm. says literally. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess what they're trying to do is tie it into verses one to 14, which yep. is an open door for us to discuss one to 14 for the next hour. <laughs> no, no, we can't no, we do that. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, now th- this next verse, Nehemiah, is uh, is something yeah. that if, even if a, if, a, if if you weren't really familiar with the um, the actual verse in, in, in detail, there have been many <clears throat> groups of people who have, who've used this verse and and came up with interpretations of it. And I, I guess I want to do something. If it's all right with you, I kind of want to let the verse speak. Okay. <laughs> Meaning, sure. I really want to. I don't want to. I don't want to run from it. I want to lean into it, like I like to say. But I want to let the verse speak because there's a really important verse in this section that does exactly what we want to have happen, and that's to understand Scripture in its language, history, and its context. Mm. 37.16, and you, son of man. Now, right over there, I want to stop and say son of man. So, Nehemiah, when you hear the word son of man, what's your thought? What do you, what's, what's the thing that, 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 that comes into mind? I mean, what so, is it? So what comes to me is, is that that's just Hebrew for human being. Okay. And that, that's what it means to me. Um, and when God is speaking to him, uh, you know, like, for example, the JPS, it translates, uh, it's literally Ben Adam. Ben, ben Adam. is son, mm-hmm. and Adam is Adam. Son of Adam mm-hmm. is literally what it says. Mm-hmm. And in the JPS, it translates it as, O mortal, hmm. meaning, O mortal one. Mm-hmm. Um, because God is this infinite one. He's not a son of Adam. He's the creator of Adam. And he's mm-hmm. speaking to a human being. He calls him son of Adam. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just what it means to me. And that's why I wanted to bring this up is just the idea of what the phrase says. It says the son of Adam, <laughs> son of man. Take for mm-hmm. yourself, um, and I'm, you stop me as I'm going here, because I'm going to read from the NASB. Again, what we have right now is I've got my Hebrew Bible open. I've got my NIV. I call my nearly inspired version. But the reason that I like the NIV, honestly, is that when I'm communicating, especially if I'm uh, sharing, preaching a, a passage. I like to start with where people are, many people in the English language. Mm-hmm. The NIV does a wonderful job of using the modern English language to communicate. <clears throat> it doesn't do the best job in terms of being true to what the, what the original text says in many cases. Many times they do a lot of what I call gymnastics with the, uh, with the text. So I like well, to start... Although I've found places where the NIV is more oh, accurate than any other a, translation. Absolutely. Meaning, meaning no translation is perfect. Absolutely. And if, if you can find the truth wherever mm-hmm. the truth is spoken, then, yep. you know, and it's, I guess, easier for me because I can look in the Hebrew. Yeah. But there are times when the NIV is the only one that got it right. Yep. Uh, it's rare, but it yeah. happens. <laughs> it does happen. And, and that happens in a number of... In fact, the King yeah. James Version, sometimes yeah. that happens. Yeah. So anyway, so we've got these books open. We've got two computers and, and we've got this... I don't know what I call this rigged... And I have to just stop maybe yeah. and say after 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 eleven times, this is really a rigged situation. I've got a coffee cup <laughs> holding up and an old. No, let me finish. It's not I'm even a Starbucks. Mug. I'm going to let people know exactly what we're sitting in a bedroom. We've got a table with some some foam behind it and another piece of foam, and I've got a coffee cup that's propping up your iPad <laughs> a because four year old iPad because my <laughs> iPad broke 
we did an entire session yeah. with the with the profit pearls and yeah. found out at the end that it, that it didn't work. So we got this rig, but let me tell you what I love about it. It's it's um it's authentic. Yeah, it's authentic. And actually, I just have to say, Nehemiah, after after this one, I think in the next one after this, we're going to be. Uh, who knows where we're going to be in the world and it's going to be a more difficult recording situation but I will say this mm-hmm. what I like about this in this verse that we're going to talk about is that we can be here together it says um, here it goes it goes and you son of man take for yourself one stick and write on it for Judah and for the sons of Israel and then it says his companions what does it say in the Hebrew I kind of see what it says it says Chaverav so how do we open up the uh, the, the show Chaverim Chaverim Shali Chaverim Shali Chaverim Shalanu right so we, we say uh, friends but what yeah. you know in other so words so Chaver is the Hebrew word that means friend Chet Bet Resh and we've mentioned before that it comes from the word from, from the root that means to be bonded to someone mm. to be connected to someone mm-hmm. to be in fellowship with someone mm-hmm. and and here it's that what was written on the um, on the two sticks mm-hmm. On each of the sticks is is Chaverav, his friends, mm. and um, actually it's cha, it's it uh, has Chaver, the mm. word for friend, mm. and Av uh, written with a Yud in there, Yud Vav, which means his his friends. And it's interesting, the Yud there isn't pronounced; it's only written. Mm-hmm. And visually, when you see it, you know that it represents the plural of the word Chaver. Mm-hmm. In other words, hidden inside this word Chaverav is Chaverim. Mm-hmm. So it's Chaverim of his, Chaverav. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, Chet Bet Reish Yudvav, well, five letters. I wish letters. we could do into, go into some textual uh, discussion, but we're going to hold off on that because we've only got an hour. About the Kriketiv, yeah, 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 interesting stuff. It's very interesting <clears throat> when you see it. But anyway, it says, and take a, um, and it says, and take another stick, another stick and write on it, for Joseph, okay, the stick of Ephraim mm-hmm. and all the house of Israel. Now, and his companions are his 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 friends. So, yeah. we, what I like about this section that we're going to do is we actually have a little background in terms of what we've talked about. We've talked about Ephraim. We've talked about Joseph. We've talked about um, you know the issues around Judah and, and the kingdoms. And we've we've done now. This is our eleventh one. So mm-hmm. it's kind of nice that we're at this because people, if you've been listening to Prophet Pearls, <laughs> you've got some background. And if you listen to the original Torah pros, you've got some real background mm-hmm. for uh, for what we're going to be going on here. But, but just to remind people, there was you know uh, the, the first king of Israel was Saul, and then his son uh, Ishbosheth, mm-hmm. and then David became the king of all of Israel, and his son Solomon, and then Solomon sinned, and so God uh, ripped the king te- the ripped the kingdom. There's this image where Achiah the Shilonite comes, mm-hmm. and he stands before uh, uh, before him, and he takes this garment and he rips it into uh, twelve pieces, and he gives. Two to the house of Judah, to the house of David, and ten to the house of Israel, and there mm-hmm. becomes two kingdoms. And this mm-hmm. is sometime in the tenth, late tenth century BC, mm-hmm. and then all the way up until um, around the year seven twenty one BC, there are two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of Israel and a kingdom of Judah, Memlechet mm-hmm. Yisrael, uh, kingdom of Israel, and Memlechet Yehuda, the kingdom of Judah. Amen. And then the kingdom of Israel is taken as exiles by the Assyrians into um, what becomes today Iran and Iraq, mm-hmm. um, and that roughly that area. Mm-hmm. And um, and the kingdom of Judah continues for another uh, 150 years up until 586 BC when it's uh, destroyed by the Babylonians mm-hmm. and the and then the the Judeans the tribe of Judah and the tribe of uh, Benjamin are taken into exile. So you know we talked before about two waves of exile that was for Judah, for uh, Israel we also had two waves of exile um, in 732 and, and possibly more than two waves 732 and 721 were the two major ones. Mm-hmm. So. What this is talking about is, and let's read the verse, but yep. it's talking about the reunification of these two kingdoms. So let me read this one verse, and then before we move to the next section, this mm-hmm. verse is connected to the one before it. So 13, yeah. 16 and 17, 
Then when you have these sticks, join them for yourself one to another into one stick. Oh, boy, there's so much to talk about here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that they may become one in your hand. And so let's go ahead and jump right into this, Nehemiah, because I have a question before we get into some application, if it's all right. Um, yeah. It says in 37... Can I talk about the stick for a second? That's exactly what so, I'm... Yes. So there's this image out there you can find, and we were going to use it for this week's episode. And and as I reread the passage, I said, well, wait a minute, that that's a beautiful, really powerful image, but it's not what it says. Well, before you, before I know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna take the cap off of that. Are you gonna you're gonna? I'm gonna explain it if you okay, let me let, talk. Go ahead. You go ahead okay. and talk and do that. So that what the the image you'll see all over is they'll take two sticks and they'll wrap the sticks around each other, mm-hmm. and those are the two sticks united. But that's not what it's describing. What it's describing is there's this there's these two sticks which really have nothing to do with each other, and he takes them end to end and he makes them one stick. Mm-hmm. He reunites the two broke the two broken halves of the mm-hmm. kingdom, and. Um, so that's about the stick, if you want to say something about that. Well, no, I want to ask you, so, so where does yeah. it say in your verse that they, st- they stuck him end to end? Tell them, how, tell them how it is that you come to the fact that they went end to end. So it says in Hebrew, And he shall bring them close one to another, uh, to, to, be one, to be one stick. And i got to talk about the word achadim. That's we what I wanted to say. Okay. Absolutely, I've got it highlighted. Right. Are you kidding me? Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> yeah, my thing. I got this So highlight. achadim yes. is a very rare form. It only appears five times in the Tanakh. It's the plural of the word achad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the Hebrew word achad means one. Yes. Now, how can you have a plural of the word one? Can you no, say in English ones? I guess you can. You could say, give me five ones. But there you really mean one dollar bills. Right. Right? Right. Um, you can, you know, write five ones on a piece of paper, but there you mean the symbol that represents the number one. Mm-hmm. Um, here it's not in that sense one. It's it's saying they shall be achadim in your hand. And what does achadim mean here? It actually means united. Mm-hmm. The plural form of achad is united. Mm-hmm. And we have another verse that has this exact uh This is where phrase. things get good now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this exact um, term or the, me- the the word with the same meaning is in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Mm-hmm. And it says, and this is just before the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. And it says, in the entire land was safa echat, one lip, literally one language, one mm-hmm. lip, udvarim achadim. Mm-hmm. And you could translate that literally as, uh, actually, you can't translate it literally. Yeah. <laughs> the literal translation would be, uh, uh, one's, w- meaning the plural of one, words, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. matters. Because um, davar means a word, but also matters. So really it means, the, the correct translation is united matters, mm-hmm. meaning that they were they were of one language and they're and united matters. They had one agenda. Mm, I love it. And Nehemiah, if it's okay, <clears throat> I want to just let people know. Yeah. Those are the verses, Genesis 29, 20 in English and the yeah. NASB. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him but a few days mm-hmm. because of his love for uh, love for her. So show us how, yeah. but, but for a few days and because of his love for her, how that um, is, is the same word. Achadim. Yeah. In other words, what they're, how do they come with for a few days? So literally what it says is yamim achadim, mm-hmm. days, um, ones. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it seemed like a, a, a series of mm-hmm. single days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that phrase appears three times in the Tanakh. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is in Daniel. Yep. And I don't know where they I want to read Daniel eleven twenty. I want to yeah. give a chance to do this because whenever, you know, it's, it's really interesting. So Nehemiah and I don't discuss ahead of time. What we're gonna what we're gonna talk about? We don't say no. Here's the production meeting on how we're gonna do this. Instead, what we do is we both go and we study the verse, uh, the verses, the passage. Now, I tend no, to the start... the production meeting is where we, we like flip the coffee cup to hold up the iPad. <laughs> yeah, our connection is we're flipping the coffee cup to hold up the old iPad. But uh, but but the thing is, is that what we do is we we, we study in our uh, ourselves, and then we come together. And so here's an example 
where we're both reading and we find this word that jumps, it kept, mm, for me it jumped yeah. off the page. Yeah. Certainly it jumped off the page for you. Daniel 11.20, so this is the other the other place of this happens. Then in, in, in his place, one will arise who will send an oppressor through the jewel of his kingdom, yet within a few days he will be shattered, though not in anger nor in battle. Where is it in So again, that? That, that's the exact same phrase appears three times. Yamim uh, Achadim, and they translated it as a few. Mm-hmm. And that's not wrong, meaning the word Achadim in our verse in Ezekiel and in Genesis 11.1 1, has a different meaning mm-hmm. than it does in the phrase Yamim Achadim, a few mm-hmm. days, mm-hmm. A, a, a series of single days. Here, Achadim means united, mm-hmm. which I find really interesting. And, and, I, and I, I know this is going to be controversial for, for some people, but you know, there's the famous verse where it says, Shema Yisrael, Yehovah Eloheinu, Yehovah Achad, Hero Israel, Yehovah is our God, Yehovah is one. And some people want to say one is, you know, this compound unity. But actually, Hebrew had a really clear way to express that. It really could have said, you know, hero Israel, Yehovah Eloheinu, Yehovah is our God, Yehovah Achadim, Yehovah is united. Mm. Could have said that. Mm. But Echad, in, in the sense it uses there, really just means one. I'll tell you what, that's powerful. That's good grammatical information. because, um, And that's what, again, <clears throat> I love about digging through the scripture and getting a chance to work with the original languages, looking what the English versions do. I want to stop yeah. for a second real so quick. So imagine that. So, so now let's go back to our stick. Yeah. So it's achadim. It's two sticks that are united as one. Uh-huh. Meaning it could, if it would have said the echad, that would have meant the two sticks are really one and indivisible, but they're mm. not indivisible. Mm. They were divided. Now they're reunited as achadim mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, Nehemiah, when uh, we were doing, uh, we went out on tour together and we were asking people to be our Prophet Pearl partners, yeah. uh, Pearl's partners, and uh, we had some people that, that that stood up and said absolutely they would do that. And, and uh, as a result of that, we have some of our episodes that are actually um, sponsored by people. Yeah. And this one actually is sponsored by a very good friend of ours, Tina Brown. She, hey, uh, Tina. Shalom. Uh, t- hey, Shalom. Sven. Yeah, so uh, this is Tina's. This is not Sven's. Sven will be later. This is just for Tina. And so Tina, <laughs> actually, when we're, we're, we're taping this, actually, she's been in a difficult situation. Both her father and her mm. mother have been sick. And so we've been praying for her. Yeah. She hasn't gotten a chance to, to, to chime in on this verse. But I know that this is a very important passage uh, to her. And I've actually talked to her about it before. I don't want to ruin that, Tina. What I would challenge you to do, we want to say thank you to you for, uh, for, for being... Uh, being a profit pro partner, I want to challenge you, Tina, if you'd be willing to take that gift that you have and do some writing and bring comments on some of the things that you wanted us to discuss. We were not able to discuss this ahead of time. She's been in a very difficult situation. But the good news, we have been praying for her and her family that her father is uh, it's not as bad as they thought. And he's doing better. And hopefully um, her mother by now, by the time you hear this will also be doing well. So we want to thank her for being a profit pro uh, pro's, uh, a partner. Uh, and for all of you, we want to challenge you to, to write and go to NehemiahsWall.com, BFAInternational.com, yeah, to the Prophet Pro comments. section and, and, and to post your comments and your questions. Now, Nehemiah, for the fun part, yeah. um, th- then join for yourselves one to another into one stick that they may be coming one in your hand. I want to just say something. Mm-hmm. I, when, we, when we first started um, interacting with different people, sometimes people would come up to me and say, so Keith... Um, we, and I'm not trying to be funny right now, yeah. but they would say, you and Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah is the one stick and you're the other stick. Now, I had no idea what they were <laughs> oh, talking about. I know what they were talking about. I, I had no idea. <laughs> no, listen, I'm just telling you. I had, yeah. I had no idea what they were talking about. So you said you knew what they were talking about. So can yeah. we just take a minute to give a little bit, would you be willing to give a little context about maybe what, why okay. they might think? Yeah. That, that that would be the case? Yeah, so, so there's this idea, and, and like, can, we, can we talk about the elephant in the room? 
You're not sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so now, now that I said it, I guess we're going to. Um, so there's this definitely. So here, here, this passage is talking about the reunification of the two tribes. Mm-hmm. And, and if you weren't sure, you could read on. And, and I'm well, sure that's that, what we're going to get to because he oh, tells us exactly what. Well, he about. tells us what it means, right? What are some people? So, but then the question is, what it, you know? Okay, so we had um, the kingdom of Judah, and they went into exile. And today we have this group of people called Jews, mm-hmm. which are understood to be from the tribe of Judah. And Benjamin, mm. the kingdom of Judah. Mm. And for example, in uh, the book of Esther, uh, Mordecai, who is one of the main characters, Mordecai in English, he says, you know, he's called Hayyuhudi, the Jew, even though he's from the time of, tribe of Benjamin. And what that means is everybody who was from that kingdom of Judah was called a Jew. Well, okay. what about the people who were from the tribe of Israel? Where are they? What happened to them? And this is a question that's gone back thousands of years. Where are the ten lost tribes? Here we have a prophecy, prophecy about the reunification of the of the lost tribes. And I don't know if we're going to get into this now, or should we? Yes, we'll wait. We're, we're going to. So we, we got to read the verses. Then let's yes. talk about okay. where are the ten lost tribes. Who is Israel today? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we need to talk about that. Okay, so let's let's do let's this. We're not going to talk about the elephant in the room right now. When the sons of your people speak to you, saying, "Will you not declare to us what you mean by these?" So now again, yeah. what is meant by these these two sticks that yeah. become one stick. I mean, right. and I love this. This is one of the things that you see throughout the prophets. It's it's what, you know, some people today call a witnessing tool. Yes. So, you know, it's it's like uh, you know, uh, Jeremiah going around with the with the yoke on his neck. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What on earth is this guy? He's, exactly. he's with an ox's yoke exactly. on his neck?" Exactly. And and it's the uh and it's the yoke that will be the kingdom of Babylon. And the other prophet goes and breaks it. He puts another yoke. So he's walking around with this witnessing witnessing tool. He's walking around with these sticks and they have Hebrew words written on them and and they don't, may not even look like they're from the same tree, but they're miraculously united as one stick. How could that even be? And they and so people start asking, "What, what do you got there? Mm. What, what are we seeing here?" And I love it. What are these? Uh, literally says, um, you know, what, what, here, where is this? Um, let's see. Oh, it says it will be in your hands in a hem before their eyes. Mm-hmm. So it's before their eyes now, and they're asking about what, what is this? So let's read the answer. Okay. So, thir- so so nineteen. Can I say this? So yeah. Uh, uh, thus says uh, Adonai Yehovah. Thus says the Lord God. It says in English. Uh, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his friends, his companions, and I will put them with it, with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick. And then the the phrase that just (laughs) jumped off the page for me is there seems to be a switching of hands. So the one is in the hand of Ephraim, and it says, and and I'll put them with it, and he says, and they will be one in my hand. So in other words, that mm-hmm. there's a, there's a there's a shift now. Now it isn't it isn't that one's got the stick over here and, and one's got the stick over there, but rather Yehovah Himself says, "I will make them one mm-hmm. in my hand." Yeah. So when I look at that, I say to myself, "That sounds pretty exciting." Um, <clears throat> and yeah. then, I mean, what does that actually mean? So it's clear what it means. How does it apply? Is the question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. clearly refers to there's a kingdom of Israel, there's a kingdom of Judah. Um, he's speaking at a time when they're, you know, they've gone into exile or they're going into exile mm-hmm. and, and they're, you know, and he's saying in the future, when, when the kingdom is reestablished, there won't be two kingdoms. There'll be one kingdom mm. And, mm. It, and it will be one in Yehovah's hand. Now, now if it's okay, yeah. Now, yeah. this is the verse that I get excited about. Yeah. The verse is say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will take the sons of Israel from among the nations yeah. where they have gone. And I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. I want to put you on the spot. Yeah. Because um, we actually traveled to Israel. I don't know how many times together. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been, 
I've been there with you at least, I don't know, four or five times. And and one of the first times that I was with you, um, you, you would well up, your eyes would well up mm-hmm. when you would talk about actually seeing um, prophecy come, yeah. come to pass. Not with you, but you actually told a story about um, Ethiopians that came yeah. to Israel. Can you... Would you be willing sure. to tell the story? Because then I have so, something I so want to follow it was, up with that. It was 1991, and mm-hmm. I was, uh, a, I was what, 18 years old, and I was a volunteer on a kibbutz. I was working out in the field. The, the and word I, of the kibbutz, okay? This yeah. is excellent. Right. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> right. Where, where he says, gather, I will kibbutz them. Yeah, so I, I was on a kibbutz. Yes. And I was working in the fields as, as a farmer. And I was on my little you know, red uh, Fiat tractor and... Uh, um, you know, I, I, most of what I did had to do with irrigation, growing um, various crops, mm-hmm. field crops. And I'm there, and all of a sudden, I see a really strange sight for Israel. In Texas, this isn't so strange. But in Israel, it's very strange. I see a truck coming down the road, a flatbed truck, and it's carrying a mobile home on the back of it. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I've never seen that in Israel before. That's odd. All right, whatever. Somebody's going to be living in a mobile home. Then about five minutes later, there's a second one. Another five minutes, a third one. And then there's a caravan of the trucks, mm-hmm. and there, and there must have been dozens of these um, of these mobile homes coming down the highway mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere in northern Israel. There's not even a city anywhere nearby. There's a city of twelve thousand people. That's the great metropolis nearby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're, what are all these? Uh, you know, what are, this is a very strange sight. I'd never seen anything like this. I don't know that anybody had ever seen anything like this. And then that night, I'm listening to the news, and they announced that um, that. The you know the Soviet Union had just fallen. I'm going to well up now again. <laughs> and for years there had been these Jews who in in Ethiopia who wanted to come to Israel, mm-hmm. and many of them in the 80s walked through Sudan, and many of them died on the way. They walked all the way to Sudan to where they were then brought to Israel secretly because the Sudanese hated hate Jews, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, and but they weren't able to get all of them out because not everybody could get to Sudan. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as the the communist government fell in Ethiopia, Israel swooshed in really quickly and got thousands of Jews that they took out of Ethiopia. Jews who had been there for thousands of years. Jews who can I say this? Don't look that much like me. They look more like you. Mm-hmm. And you know Jews who had been in Ethiopia at least since the time of the Second Temple. I can prove that through uh, history. But probably, maybe even before that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe these were Jews who, and this is actually one of the theories out there, that these were Jews who went into exile to, uh, um, you know, after the temple was destroyed in 586, there was a small remnant of the poorest of the land, and they assassinated the Babylonian governor, and then they fled to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And we're told about this in the book of Jeremiah. They took Jeremiah with them, and he died in Egypt, apparently. Um, and they may have migrated. We know they migrated down the Nile or up the Nile, as it were, because there were Jews in a place called Elephantine in southern Egypt, and eventually they made it to Ethiopia. But when I saw that, I'm like, this, this is amazing. Right in front of me, I'm seeing a fulfillment of this prophecy in this verse and other verses of Jehovah gathering in the dispersed of Israel mm-hmm. from the four corners of the earth and, and as remote a place Mm-hmm. From from where I come from is Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had heard, yeah, there was this thing called Ethiopian Jews. I had never in my life met an Ethiopian Jew in mm-hmm. 1991. And here is um, thousands of them just, you know, coming off the airplanes. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know how long they would have to do this. They didn't know if it would be a few days before another government rose up and, and kept these Jews as, as sort of like a bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. And so the Israel rushed in and, and gathered as many of them as they could and, and got out and... Mm-hmm. 
Today, you walk all over Israel and you'll see um, Ethiopian Jews everywhere. They're just a part of the landscape now. No, it's, it's, it's something, you know, I just, uh, we're here, here we are in Nehemiah. This was in 1990, I think the Operation Solomon, I think they called yeah, it. Yeah, 91. Yeah, way back in 1991. But since then, there have been many, many other yeah. groups that have come. And I just got something um, right now. We're actually recording this in, a little bit in advance, but I just got this. It says that the 50 B'nai Menashe uh, make Aliyah from India to Israel. Wow. Fifty uh, B'nai Menashe immigrants made Aliyah from India to Israel on Tuesday, bringing the total number of community members to make Aliyah in 2014. Now we're at the end of 2014 to 500, the most ever. Another 200 are slated to arrive by the end of November, which means by the time you're listening to this, there will be 700. The B'nai Menashe claim descent from the tribe of Manasseh or on Manasseh, one of the ten lost tribes of Israel, which were exiled by the Assyrian Empire after the death of King Solomon more than 2,700 years ago. The immigrants were brought to Israel by uh, Shaveh, is it Shaveh, Israel? Shaveh Israel. Yeah. They're the on same Tuesday. people in, in, uh, I met in Kaifeng in China. Awesome. The, the chairman, Michael uh, Frund, uh, thanked the Israel government for bringing B'nai Menashe home, calling the mass aliyah a modern-day miracle. At a time mm-hmm. such as this, when the Jewish state finds itself under increasing pressure from the international community, it is confront, uh, comforting to see that God continues to gather his <clears throat> flock, bringing back those who were once deemed to be lost, he says there still are another 7,000 B'nai Menashe in India waiting to come, and I'm determined to do everything I can to bring them here. And then he goes on to say, pray according to scripture for all the B'nai Menashe in India who long to come home to Israel. I will surely save you out of a distant place, it says, your descendants to the end of the exile, Jeremiah 30.10. So many different verses that relate to what we're talking about mm-hmm. right here, that there are yeah. people in different parts of the world that right. have been dispersed <clears throat> That are being gathered, they're being brought right. back, and, and, and so this is in this is in well, our well, present time. I think these are both amazing things. What happened with mm-hmm. Bnei Menashe? What happened with uh, the uh, Ethiopian Jews? Who, by the way, in their language and in their in their culture, what they're called is Beta Yisrael, the mm-hmm. House of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a fundamental difference. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both amazing miracles and fulfillment of prophecy, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that the Bnei Menashe from India really were a lost tribe. Meaning, if you would have asked them a hundred years ago, "Are you uh, are you Israelites?" They probably would have said, "What's that?" Mm-hmm. They, and then you would have said, "Well, why do you you know I don't know circumcise your sons?" Well, we don't know. We just always did that. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you not eat pig? Well, we don't know. We always just didn't do that. Um, <clears throat> whereas the the Jews of Ethiopia, the Beta Israel, the House of Israel from Ethiopia, mm-hmm. they've always known that they're Israelites. Mm-hmm. I mean, they called themselves Beta. They they were never lost. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's communications between them and and Jews in other parts of the world very sparse it wasn't a lot Mm -hmm. but there have been communications with them going back you can document it clearly 500 years absolutely and if you'd ask the the b'nai menashe the people in india a hundred years ago can we see your your copies of the torah they would have said what's the torah Mm -hmm. whereas um or certainly 500 years ago whereas the ethiopian jews could have said you know here's our torah and it's been translated Mm -hmm. into our language Mm -hmm. and here's some of the other documents that you guys won't discover until you discover the dead sea scrolls which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool in itself amazing it's amazing well what i like about it though is just the the idea that these people from different parts of the world so isn't that amazing there's these two separate phenomena which are both miraculous one is there's the dispersed of israel who have always 
he's known they're Israel who are being gathered in by Yehovah. And that's a miracle and a fulfillment of prophecy. Mm-hmm. And there's also these people who didn't know they were Israelites, whose identity has been lost and they're be get, being gathered in too. Mm-hmm. And in addition, I want to, I want to say, well, let, let's talk about this. So we, let, now let's get to the elephant in the room. Can we do okay, that? Just, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So Please. the elephant in the room is there's this idea out there. And, you know, a few years ago, I was talking to this guy in what's called the Hebrew Roots Movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Karite Jew. I'm not part of the Hebrew Roots Movement. But I asked him, in your movement, in the Hebrew Roots Movement, what's the biggest controversy there is? And I was sure he was going to tell me, you know, the calendar or the pronunciation of the name of God. And he said, no, the number one controversy in my community is the what's called the two-house um, theology. That's it. That has to do with this, Nehemiah. Has to do with what? This verse, the, the two houses, right? Oh, this, it's, this direct, it? it's directly from this verse. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's all about this verse. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what on earth is a two-house theology? And basically it's this idea that, um, that people who come to the Torah who aren't of Jewish origins, who, as you say, have shook the family tree and, and uh, no Jew fell out, um, they say, okay, I'm from the ten lost tribes. And here's the really, and now this was an idea going back a few hundred years with the British Israelites. Mm -hmm. What makes this different than the British Israelites is the British Israelites said, we are ethnically, genetically, directly descended from the 10 tribes, and we're more Israelites than the Jews because the Jews, you know, they were Christians, because the Jews rejected Jesus and we're we're the true Israel. That's what the British Israelites said. Mm -hmm. The two-house theology is a little different. What they say, as I understand it, and the way it was explained to me, um, what they say is, I've been you know, brought into this covenant with God. Um, and it may be because my ancestors were from the 10 lost tribes. And they say it very carefully like that. And, and I give them credit for that. They're not going to dogmatically say, I can now go take a DNA test and show that my bones connect to the bones of someone found in a tomb in Israel and, mm-hmm. you know, 3000 mm-hmm. years ago. That's not what they're saying. What, as I understand it again, what, as I understand it, what they're saying is that they are clearly, there's something they can't explain which draws them to the Torah, draws them to the, to the Tanakh, mm-hmm. um, and even though they're not Jewish, and they identify themselves as being from these ten tribes. Mm-hmm. And some of them will say, well, maybe I'm not physically from the ten tribes, but I'm spiritually now joined into the ten tribes. And what I think is really cool to me in the verse mm-hmm. is... Uh, in you know, we, we kind of it was the word of the week, but we also glazed over it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in verse sixteen where it says, "For both Judah and Israel, there's going to be Chaverav, his companions, his mm-hmm. friends, mm-hmm. those who are bonded to him." Those actually, and, we didn't make that word of the week yet. Nehemiah. Oh, we did officially. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you didn't explain. You got to tell him what. No, it is. I did. Chaver is 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 uh, yes. his friend, and yeah. it mean it also means. Someone who's bonded to you, who's joined to you, yes. it can be as well. Mm-hmm. We have the, the phrase chavur, which is people who are bonded together. Well, and tell them the letters. And chet bet resh is the root, okay. and yud vav is, is the suffix. And, um, you know, so, so uh, and let me just give you an example of that word, of that root. And uh, so Genesis 14.3, um, it's speaking about the nations that came together with, bat, you know, the kingdoms that came to battle. It says, all the latter joined forces at the Valley of Sidim. Uh, now the Dead Sea. I'll read it in the King James so people are more familiar with. All these were joined together, and the word is chavru. Mm-hmm. They became chaverim. They joined together in the Valley of Sidim, which is the Salt Sea. So these are people who weren't originally together, but did come together. And uh, another example, and this is like seems like almost a trivial example, but it's talking about the curtains mm-hmm. in the tabernacle. It says, the five mm-hmm. curtains shall be coupled together one to another. And coupled isn't what it says. It says chavrot. They will be joined. Yes. So these these these. Curtains weren't originally together, and they came together, and they were joined together. And that's where I get excited. Where I get excited, I read this verse, and I read about how there's the tribes, there's 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 uh, Judah, 
and there's uh, Joseph or, or Israel, and there is his companions. Yes. There are these people who have joined to both Judah and to Israel, and they've come together, and those will be united. Not just Judah and Israel, but Judah and Israel together with all of those who have joined to them, mm. who have been united with all their chaverim, all mm. their friends, mm. all those who have joined to them. Um that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Wow. So so you don't have to say, okay, now I've got to trace the lineage directly back through the Saxons to Isaac, which is mm-hmm. one of the things that the British Israelites say. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I can prove this, that someone's been gathered into the Torah. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you know, go speculate in history about that. I think that's a really powerful thing. And I want to throw out some credit to my friend Jason, who uh, he wrote to me and, you know, asked me about the 10 lost tribes and he asked which tribes have been identified. And in that in that context, I want to bring a couple of uh, historical sources, which aren't from the okay. Bible. And one of them is from Josephus, the Book of Antiquities of the Jews. Josephus was a Jewish historian in the first century. And it's interesting to see how he describes the what we call the Jews of, of today. Mm-hmm. Um, before I bring that, I want to bring a really interesting piece of information, which is if you asked Jews, I don't know, a thousand years ago, are, are you Jewish? They might say, yeah, I'm from the kingdom of Judah or the tribe of Judah. Or they'd probably tell you, I don't know what tribe I'm from. Mm-hmm. Now, my mother's side, my family, I've shared this before, traces himself back to King David. On my father's side, I've got no idea what tribe I'm from, and it's the father's side that counts. But when you have a, when you go into the synagogue and we read from the Torah portion, like we did in the original Torah pearls, but they read that publicly in the synagogue, they'll have the first three people to come and, and read from the Torah or to get honored with, if they don't know how to read, then someone else will read for them, is the first one's a Kohen. It has to be a Kohen. If there's a Kohen in the audience, he goes first. That's someone from the line of Aaron. Second one is always a Levi. Mm-hmm. Levi from the tribe of Levi. The third one then isn't called Judah. He's called Israel. Mm. And Israel in, in, in Jewish literature, what we call Jewish literature, Jews are referred to as Israel. Mm-hmm. Now that's not to say that they're from the 10 tribes and the two tribes. We don't know that. Um, but let's read what Josephus says in antiquities, uh, book 11, section 133. He says, or, or, uh, five, two in the, in the older numbering. He says, in, uh, Let's see. Um, then the, uh, he's talking about them coming to Babylon. Is very, blah, 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 okay. But then the entire body of the people of Israel remained in that country, in Babylon. Wherefore, there are but two tribes in Asia and Europe. And when we say Asia and Europe, uh, he said subject to the Romans, which means, you know, the Roman parts of the empire that we call today Asia and Europe, or even in his terms, Asia and Europe. While the ten tribes are beyond Euphrates till now and are an immense multitude and not to be estimated by numbers. Mm. So in his day, in the days of Josephus, the ten lost tribes weren't lost. Mm -hmm. They knew that the people in Persia, the Jews of Persia beyond the Euphrates River and in what today is parts of Iraq as well, they were from the ten tribes. So we speak today about the 10 tribes. That's in the first century. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Josephus knows that the 10 tribes are still where they were sent in Iraq and Iran and other countries around there to this mm-hmm. very day, mm-hmm. to his day. Now, this is a story from the second century, an account. A hundred years later, less than a hundred years later even, the rabbis are talking about the 10 tribes. Um, and it's a debate between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Akiva, as you may recall, was killed during the Hadrianic persecutions mm-hmm. sometime before the year 138. Says the ten tribes, they are not going to return in the future. <laughs> Got to no. stop about that. Imagine that mm. the ten tribes are not going to return in the future, as it is written. And he quotes a verse from Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty seven, where it says, "Yehovah uprooted them from their soil in anger, fury, and great wrath, and cast them into another land, as is still the case." But in Hebrew, it literally says, um, "As this day, as this day, just as the day goes and does not return, so too they should go and do not return." Which doesn't make sense to me, but that's rabbinical logic. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> meaning they take that word, uh, at, you know, day, and they make that the basis of the theology. The ten tribes won't return because days go and they don't return, so the people won't go and return. Um, these are the words of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Eliezer says, well, as this day, what it means is just as the day grows dark and then grows light, so too the ten tribes who are in darkness in the future, light will be shed on them. <laughs> and my prayer is that, um, and, and I'm actually, it's not just a prayer. I, I pray that Jehovah will shed his light on all 12 tribes, but I'm seeing it happening. Mm-hmm. And that's what excites me. Mm-hmm. That's why I, you know, that's why I go to China and I have this burning urge to get back into ministry because I get to go in and encounter these people all over the world mm-hmm. who are, um, who, who the light is being shed on them. And out of nowhere, they say, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be, you know, connected to this God of Israel. Mm-hmm. I've got, you know, I love Israel. I love the people of Israel. I mm-hmm. love the Jews. Mm-hmm. And I love God's covenant, his Torah. And like, I mean, I, I met people in China like that, which, mm-hmm. I mean, amazed me. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Um, we're going to, we're actually going to talk about ministry, but we're going to wait okay. just a little bit because of mm. the time yeah. we're doing this actual um, episode. Okay. Uh, it says, it says, I'm going to, and this is the part. Well, that so, so can we wrap up what I just was talking about, which is that, you know, we've got these 10 tribes mm-hmm. and we've got the two tribes and I can't tell you which of the 12 tribes I'm from. The, the common consensus says, okay, you're from, you're from the tribe of Judah. Mm-hmm. Could be. It's very possible. I know on my mother's side, that's definitely true. On my father's side, I have no idea. But what excites me is that Yehovah is gathering these people and he's gathering back their friends and those who are their companions and those who are joined to them. And, um, you know, and I don't think it's, you know, we need to get involved in the whole, you know, uh, two house controversy that that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's really beyond the scope of what we're doing. But the prophecies are really powerful. And I want to read one more prophecy that talks about this, which is Hosea chapter two. And we could I could talk about this for hours. You've already so, been going long. No, no, no. <laughs> you Hosea been... 2, too. I just want to read that one. <laughs> um, actually, I'm going to save that for when we get to David. So I'm going to hold that off. I'm okay, going to hold off. Awesome. Remind me. All right. I, I will be sure now. And if I forget, me. Hosea chapter 2, verse 2. <laughs> but uh, the, the part that I guess... Which makes, is, sorry, one eleven in the English. Makes, two, two in the makes some, some politicians unhappy. Oh, what's that? Is a 3722. And he says, okay. and I will make them one nation wherever they live. No, it says, and I will make them one, la- one nation, uh, one nation in the land. Mm-hmm. And what land is he speaking about? Is he speaking about the, the land, the earth, or is he speaking about the land, meaning the land of Israel, mm-hmm. and 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 its and its boundaries, and what was what was given to the people of Israel? And and when you hear that, that, that's where I guess the controversy comes in, because many of the politicians will say, well, they you know may it never be, we can't have all those people coming into the land of Israel because some of it they can't be, and there. Did can't you read be what it actually and, said? No, I'm I'm just giving you my okay. giving my yeah okay. my thing here yeah, and it says and it says so. So when, when you when you actually take a look at this and you say, yeah. okay, so what does it mean for it says, I will make them one nation in the land. And it, it says, uh, two uh, words uh, in Hebrew, it, yeah, oh, I'm getting to it. I said that. Okay. okay so, <laughs> <laughs> you read the words. Okay. It says, and I will make them one nation in the land, in the mountains of Israel. Yes, yes, yes. And that's what I think is, these are really controversial words. You're right. In mm-hmm. politics today, because... You know what? What the the politician, many politicians in the world want Israel to do. Many of them want Israel to cease to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but th- those who are even willing for Israel to exist will say, "Okay, but you've got to go to the so-called pre nineteen sixty seven border." Mm-hmm. And do you know that the pre nineteen sixty seven border doesn't include the mountains of Israel? Mm. The pre nineteen sixty seven border is the coastal plain, and it is the Negev desert, and it is the the Galilee. 
but it doesn't include the, the heart of Israel. The very heart of Israel is what we call Judea and Samaria. We mm-hmm. call them that today. But those are really the central mountain range that runs. That's the heart of Israel. Mm-hmm. And everything else is just the slopes going down from Israel. So <laughs> the prophecy here is about the mountains of Israel, very specific. Yeah. And that is where, you know, and may it be soon. It's going to be. Yeah. It's a fact. Amen. And that's what I, I guess when I, when I was reading this verse. Um, yeah. What I liked about it, it says one nation in the land and then on the mountains or in the mountains of Israel, yeah. you, you look at the, the the geography of Israel and you just think, wow, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about going to the land of Israel, um, actually physically being there and being able to open up your Bible and to read and to see with your own two eyes and to experience and walk the length and the breadth of the land. I mean, it's really an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, that again, brings scripture to life. Um, you know, like you say, you're sitting there and you're watching these trucks come by. Yeah. And you're in the land and you're watching these trucks. You can't deny there's something happening. He's gathering oh, people. It's I mean, it has to be prophetic. And I mean, yeah. to know that to know that we're we're actually uh, addressing verses and we're addressing passages that related to then, yesterday, and today, and now this verse is even speaking of tomorrow because Amen. what he's going to do isn't even it's it's greater than than now. It's more than just you know a thousand people from India or you know however many people from Ethiopia literally bringing the masses together mm-hmm. into one land, and that means that the land is going to be there's not going to be any argument for it. Says here, uh, and one king will be king for all of them. Is that going to be any more? It's giving those kings, on. right? Yeah, and and they will no longer be two nations and no longer be divided into two kingdoms mm-hmm. and then and then further is to speak about what will happen they will no longer defile themselves with their idols or with their detestable things or with any of their transgressions but i will deliver them from all of their places they dwell their dwelling places in which they have sinned and and then this is exciting and will cleanse them and then the verse the the phrase in, in at the end that probably i don't know that I can, I just have to read, and it, it makes me really slow, to, uh, slow down. It makes me slow down so 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 slow so slow that I can't, can't I even couldn't speak. even get off. <laughs> couldn't even speak about it. And and it says, "And vani ehiye, I will be for them. I shall be to them. I will be their God, their Elohim." And when I read that, I immediately go back and I think about when he's speaking to Moses in Exodus um, mm-hmm. um, Exodus three. You know. I will be. And 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 again, the verse, it, it's really interesting to me because when I read these kinds of verses and I see these kinds of phrases, they, they continually bring me back, bring me back that there's a consistent message that he speaks. There's a specific and consistent message that Yehovah brings, which he says, I shall be. I shall be their God. Right now, there can be confusion. And wherever these lost tribes are, mm-hmm. wherever they're now dwelling, many of them may be worshiping in, in areas that, you know, you just think, what? What are they doing? How could they get so confused? But what's exciting about the verse is he says, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to cleanse them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be they're going to be my people. Now, this is why my little yeah. soapbox that I want to talk about for a second. Well, no, and no, it, and okay. Let me let me just talk okay, about this, because ahead. one of the struggles that I really had. Yeah. We're at the end of the year and I've been vexed Nehemiah, mm-hmm. for some time. I've been vexed for the last couple years when I see what I call the um, unwarranted attack. On people mm. that are in a process, yeah. Um, and specifically, I want to talk about the attack on people that are both in the messianic and Christian movement. So many people, you know, they get a little bit of information, or maybe they get a lot of information. And I don't want to be negative about it, but I, I, I just feel like there's this, 
this, this, this, you know, I've now come into the truth and this, these people aren't in the truth and therefore I can beat them over the head constantly mm-hmm. about everything that they're not. With that not. united stick. Yeah. No, I can beat them over the head constantly about what they're not. I read a verse like this and I think, wow. So you mean to say there are people that are the, the lost tribes that are doing detestable things? That they're in the midst of transgression. They're in the midst of sin. And God says, Yehovah says, Elohim says, I'm going to deliver them from all of their dwelling places in which they have sinned and cleanse them. And I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my people. So the thing that you've done that's that's been interesting, at least I've heard this over the last 10 sessions or so, you talk about how people are, at a, are, are also in a process that even in the Torah, there are examples where it's not by the letter of the law that they're even doing and that's a that's a weighted phrase but that 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 God has this ability to meet whether it's the shepherd Amos or Solomon at the high place that God is doing this drawing he's the one that's doing the drawing and where my struggle is is what I call the the beating up over the head of the people that like myself who mm-hmm. had no idea what all this was about God had to awaken mm-hmm. me my heart was awakened my eyes were awakened and mm-hmm. now I'm a different person, but I don't say to myself now, let me beat everyone else over the head. I want to I want to give those people the invitation mm. to be in a process themselves and to know this we have a pretty big God. Now, he has a Torah. It's his Torah. It's real. His statutes, his judgments, his commandments. I believe in him. I live by them as I am able. But there is a process that people are in that I just have to believe that God, as we read verses like this, is saying that's ultimately what's going to happen. They're in transgression, but I'm bringing them out. You know, and imagine, we talked last week about Solomon, but I just want to revisit that, that he goes up to this high place, which is a forbidden place to worship, and he Mm -hmm. brings sacrifices, which Mm -hmm. is a sin, Mm -hmm. but his heart is in the right place, and it's out of his love for Yehovah, Mm -hmm. and Yehovah says, you know what, I'm going to go meet him there, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to speak to him in a dream, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to draw him to Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. and and that's the next place he goes after the dream, and and then he brings sacrifices, the place he's supposed to be bringing them, and what an amazing picture. I mean, it's my prayer for, for, for myself that Yehovah, if there's anything that I'm in error, that you reveal it to me, mm-hmm. that I'm doing the best I can out of the love in my heart. And and you're right. What I don't want to do is take that stick, the two united, you know, take, we united the stick, and now we've got the stick, and now we've got the truth, and now we're going to beat everybody else over the head with it because we've got the truth and we don't. Mm-hmm. That That's not what it's and what's about. What's interesting about it in verse 24, we have to talk about it. It says, my yeah. servant David will be king over them. Amen. They will all have one shepherd, and they will walk in my ordinances, and they yeah. will keep my statutes, and they will guard them and observe them. So yeah. ultimately, when we get to that place, there's not going to be any discussion. Right. You know, which part of the Torah do we keep? Which No, yeah. we're going to have it's the happen, yeah. gift to be able to do all that God has called us to. And they're going to be in a perfect yeah. state in, the, in this process that we're in now is that there's a place, and I use, a, I, use the, I use the word careful, there's a journey that people are on. And as they're mm-hmm. on that journey, we don't want to stop them by hitting them in the head, but rather we want to invite them to find out everything we can yeah. about that. And, and now now I've got to read Hosea chapter uh in the Hebrew it's chapter 2 verses 2 and I'm going to then skip to 25 in the English it's chapter 1 verse 11 and 223 um and that really is a parallel to what we just read. It says and the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together again the unification of the two kingdoms and appoint for themselves one head and they shall come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we actually have a prophet's portion, so I won't go too much into detail Good. about this. But he says, Then I will sow her for myself in the earth. And that's a plan words with the word Jezreel. And I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who were not my people, You are my people. And they shall say, You are my God. Does that sound familiar? That, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, oh, clearly, yeah. 
being echoed in Ezekiel, Hosea lived earlier. Mm-hmm. So Ezekiel is clearly echoing the same prophecy about how the people who were scattered and they're being brought back and uh, they will be for me a people and I will be their God. It's the same message, mm-hmm. the reunification of the two kingdoms. Um, I think now is, you know, th- this is what my ministry is about, about mm-hmm. teaching to anybody who wants to come to the God of Israel. So I'm going to take this as my ministry ahead, minute. Yeah. And um, what I really want to do is invite people to uh, head over to my website, NehemiahsWall.com. You know, Keith and I have separate ministries. Mine's McCore Hebrew Foundation. My website's NehemiahsWall.com. Come over to NehemiahsWall.com and, and join my support team. And what it does is it allows me to continue my ministry of empowering people with information to defend the word of God and build their faith. Um, and, and, I, and I always go back to that image of, of uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, who I'm named after, who was standing on the wall and the people in one hand, they were, it was defense. In the other hand, it was to build. And that, I, want, I don't want to build your faith. I don't want um, I, I to defend you. What I want to do is empower you to do those things. And that's what I love about Nehemiah, the man I'm named after. Um, so if you join the support team, it also gives you access to my special support team studies. Um, they're already changing people's lives. And one of the ones I did recently was based on these experiences I had in Nepal. Um, really, it was a life-changing experience. Uh, I call it Torah trekking in the Himalayas. Um, and this woman named Judith wrote, uh, wrote to me about her reaction to it. She's part of the support team. Thank you, Judith. She says, thank you so much, Nehemia, for sharing this. This was really a big eye-opener for me. And I can see how Yehovah is doing uh, just that, opening my eyes in my life. Thank you again for being so open and honest. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to encourage people. There's hundreds of hours and, and you know I don't know how many pages of free information on the website. Please come over and, and be involved in that. Listen to the Torah Pearls and the Prophet Pearls, the original Torah Pearls and, and the new Prophet Pearls. And on the com. But also uh, consider, pray about it, joining the support team and, and getting access to this other information as well. It takes you one step uh, further. And, of course, we now have both podcasts, both mine and yours, uh, on iTunes, and I really want to ask people to uh, please consider giving me a rating or a review, and Keith as well, giving ratings and reviews. Uh, what that does is it allows us to put these podcasts in front of other people's eyes. What happens mm-hmm. is they'll go and search for something in iTunes. If there's no ratings and reviews, no one ever gets to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so please consider that. Those who are like me who have now gone over to the dark side of, of Android, no longer iTunes people, you can actually listen to it on Podbay. There's a website, podbay.fm, which has all of my uh, podcasts as well. Mm, awesome. I'm going to hold off on my minute until the end um, just because of the timing of what we're uh, doing this, 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 this time of year. So I want us to continue. I don't want to uh, slow no, no, down. We, on so, this. so we've got to slow down on this, yes. one, on this yes. one verse that we yes. just skipped. Uh, yep. if, if, you know, yep. yeah. And that is, um, well, there's, there's so much here we can talk for hours, but we're going to try to keep it short. Mm-hmm. Um, so here uh, we read in verse 3723. What, what did you have? Read that in your, in your NIV. Yep, it says, uh, and yeah, I read that one. It says, I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned. Okay. And we'll cleanse them. And yeah. And it says, I will save them in their settlements in the JPS. I will mm-hmm. save them in their settlements where they sinned. And you have what now? It says here, I will deliver them from all their dwelling places. From all their dwelling places. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's deliver, there's save, and from dwelling places, from uh, settlements. Um, and that was the NIV you read or NASB? Yes, this is NASB. Oh, now let's look at the NIV. The NIV says, I will save them from all their sinful backsliding. Mm-hmm. Is it backsliding or is it settlements? Mm-hmm. And in the Hebrew, it's Moshevotehem, mm-hmm. which is their settlements. And what the NIV did is it actually changed the word because mm-hmm. they didn't like that 
They, didn't, they said, settlements? What settlements? And I say, what do you mean settlements? It's where they were scattered in their exiles. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so even there in the exile, before you're gathered into the land, you're going to be saved over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they changed it to Meshuvo Tehem, which is um, their, their backsliding. It's a word we saw in Hosea uh, in that section. Mm-hmm. So they actually changed the vowels of the word to, uh, and actually not just the vowels, one of the consonants they changed the consonants, too, yeah. to make it work for their theology. But what's really important about this verse, I think, is that this is one of only two passages in the entire Hebrew. Bible and the entire Tanakh, where we have this concept of salvation from sin. Mm-hmm. And can we talk about that just Absolutely. for a minute? That, that seems like an important topic to discuss. Everywhere else in the Tanakh, to the best of my knowledge, um, the word for salvation appears in the Tanakh a total, and I'm not talking about names like Isaiah and Joshua, that those have the word salvation in them, but the other forms of the word salvation where it means salvation, and it's not a name, is 319 times, mm-hmm. not including names. And only two of those does it mean refer to salvation from sin. Mm-hmm. And both of those are in the book of Ezekiel. In fact, mm-hmm. there's this verse, Ezekiel 37, 23, Jehovah right. talks about, I will save them from all, you know, from all, their, ha- from all their habitations where, in which they sinned. So they sinned in those habitations. I'm going to save them from that sin. Mm-hmm. And the other one is in the previous chapter, I believe. I'm going to tell you in a second as soon as my computer decides to share it with me <laughs> um so the other one is in ezekiel 34 22 no that's actually an example 34 22 is an example of the normal meaning it says i will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered so he's going to save them from destruction save mm-hmm. them from harm um that's the normal meaning of salvation in the tanakh Thirty six twenty nine. i will save you from all your uncleanness mm-hmm. i will call for the grain and it will make well, etc so here there's this um uh some kind of a sin that Israel is plunged into in Ezekiel thirty six twenty nine and thirty seven twenty three, and God's going to save us from that from you know employ salvation to save us from that sin. Mm-hmm. That's pretty unique in the Tanakh, and it, and it makes you think. Most of the other places where God says, "I am your Moshiach," that was our word of the week once. I'm your Savior. It's talking about from harm and destruction, and here it's salvation from sin. Amen. Amen. And may it be that we uh, that we that we have that sort of salvation. Yeah, and we, we all need. be saved from sin because yeah. we need it. Um, are you going to talk about David, or are we yeah, going to no, skip past that? I mean, or, we're we're we're, at, we're over an hour right now, but okay. I don't want to. So are you done? No, no, no. I mean, do I'm, you have more to say, or should I keep going? No, <laughs> you go ahead. I'll wait. Okay, so um, so the, it references here David it says, "My servant David will be their king." Uh, I love this, and they will have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and keep uh, be careful to my decrees. That's the uh, NIV translation. Mm-hmm. Um, so who is this shepherd? You know, all right. And who is this um, king? So it's interesting. I, I, so here I decided I'm going to look in the uh, in the Jewish commentaries and see what they say. Because mm-hmm. to me, it's obvious this is referring to the Messiah mm-hmm. who will be from the line of David. And that's actually one. They bring two opinions in the Jewish commentators. One is it's the Messiah from the line of David. And the other is they say, it says, or perhaps this is a reference to the resurrection of the dead. In mm-hmm. other words, there's an, a Jewish, a Jewish, historical Jewish opinion out there that it could be the Messiah, and there's, uh, who's from the line of David, um, a descendant of David, a king over Israel who, who brings world peace. And the other option is that it actually is David literally himself who has risen from the dead in the resurrection. Mm. Um, I definitely uh, lean towards the former of it being the Messiah. Um, but yeah, I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe also that it's uh, re- referring to uh, uh, a mas- the Messiah, and uh, yeah. it, when 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 it goes on, if I can read the next verse, sure. twenty six is I'm going to make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with Amen. them. Man, can you imagine a covenant of peace of shalom? Yeah, <laughs> and that's literally the word there. It yep. says as a breach shalom, 
a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them. And then, which really excites me, and I'm going to set, it says here in, in the NASB, my sanctuary, uh, my, my sanctuary in their midst, ah, for a little while. No, I'm going to set my sanctuary in their midst, uh, let olam. And we actually talked about that mm-hmm. forever. And um, my dwelling place What's the also, word in Hebrew for sanctuary? So, so, so the, uh, here it is. It is uh, mikdash. Mik- mikdash, yes. Right, and, you, and you know, it, Mikdash, that is what we call the temple. Mm-hmm. Normally that's translated in English as the temple. So mm-hmm. I, will, I will place my temple in their midst forever. Mm-hmm. And it says, my dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God. There it is again. Mm-hmm. And they will. And you know, whenever God says something will happen, you can you can go to the bank on that. Yeah. It's going to happen. He's going to be their God, and they're going to be his people. And then the, 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 the last verse, which we can, we can still discuss here, and the nations. And now I'm not just talking about this. And the nations will know, ki ani Yehovah, that I am Yehovah. Who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. And I know that this year, for example, over in Israel, this has been a complicated and a difficult and a highly explosive year as regards to this idea of God's temple, the place of his temple, the place where he's placed his name forever. And there's there have been, I mean, at this point, we're, we're just today, Nehemiah, I was, uh, I was, um, I was uh, looking at CNN and they're talking about the controversy that's going on, how many people are battling and all of this. And then I read this verse and I read this section in Ezekiel and I get really encouraged because sometimes when you see what's happening in the earth, you get discouraged. I've been discouraged when I've seen it. But when I look at what what it says in the scriptures that God is going to place them and he's going to multiply them and he's going to set his sanctuary in their midst forever. And that's really for me what's been a what's been a. At least this last year, it's been something that I've kind of come across, and it's something that I've I've had to had to deal with at a at a bit of a, a difficult level. In fact, right now, I'm, well, let me do this, Nehemiah. I want to give you a chance to to. Re, I mean, this is a pretty important verse. Is yeah. there anything you want to say about this? Yeah, no. I mean, I think I said it. I mean, again, this is echoing Hosea, um, mm-hmm. chapter two uh, or chapter one eleven and uh, two twenty three in the English, and mm-hmm. it's really powerful that you know you hope this this is really a hope. Mm-hmm. And, and what really excites me is that I see this process beginning. Mm-hmm. I see the process going on and it's happening. And there's a gathering of the exiles and there's other people, these 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 friends that are coming in and um, gathering of the two tribes and the ten tribes mm-hmm. and gradually and the, and the friends who are joining to themselves to both of those. And wow. I'm excited about this. Mm-hmm. Like like I can see the stick beginning to form before sticks me. Form. <laughs> well, I want to take a chance from my ministry minute at the end. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to wait till the end is because of the date. We're actually at the end of December. There's three days until the end of the year. There are a lot of people who wait until the end of the year. They make their tax-deductible donations at the end of the year. There's some people who don't care about that at all. But for those that are waiting, I want to throw this out. that This year has been an amazing year at BFA. In fact, right now, if you have not gotten a chance to see it, this is by faith because it's October. What's the date? We're we're doing this in November. I'm going to speak prophetically, (laughs) quote-unquote. I'm going to speak into the future that this is going to be done. Um, there's a there's a special that we did on Hanukkah, and it's called the Historical Hanukkah. I don't even know the title of this. I'm actually in the middle of writing it right now. But by the time you listen to this, you're going to be able to go to BFA International. By faith, I say this. You're going to be able to click and watch an amazing 
um, episode on the historical Hanukkah. And that came as a result of what's happened throughout this entire year. Um, actually going to the land of Israel and seeing the historical Hanukkah through the eyes of two people, who one who grew up Jewish, one who grew up Christian. And rather than the one man, one camera, I actually took these two people and we went to these historical places. And that episode by faith will be up. You'll be able to watch that for free. And you don't have to do anything. You just watch it. But that's part of what we've done with the BFA is that providing opportunity for people to build a biblical foundation for their faith and using things like programs like Hanukkah. There's going to be the Christmas special that will have come out two days ago on the 25th. You'll get a chance to watch it. But our goal has been to give people the chance to go to the site, whether they're a free member or if they would be willing to take the next step. It's the end of the year. We're looking for 300 people to become a part of the premium content library to produce what I think is the most important series that we've ever done. And we can't do that in 2015 without people choosing to be a part of the Premium Content Library now. So I want to invite people to simply sit down, pray about it, ask the questions almost the end of the year, go to bfainternational.com, enter the academy, and all you have to do is say Premium Content Library member, minimum of $9.99 a month. And why did I want to wait to the end of the program? Because it's the end of the year. It's the end of this. And so right now, the last thing you can do is you can actually go to the website and say, okay, I want to be a part of this. And not only are you talking about this is what we hope to do in the future, you get a chance to see everything we've done in the past. Over 50 episodes are available in the premium content library that you can watch, share with your family and friends. Actually, you can have group meetings, sit down with it. So that's our encouragement, bfainternational.com, inspiring people around the world to build a biblical foundation for their faith. And we cannot do that going forward. Without your help, be one of the 300 that will help us go into this next year and produce something that we think is going to be, uh, is going to be uh, well, that's not just controversy. It's going to be really amazing to help people in that. So that's what I wanted to say about that. It's the end of the year. Hopefully you'll do that. Nehemia, this, this, this little process that we've gone through with Prophet Pearls, we did this by faith also. We didn't know mm-hmm. how it was going to work. And truthfully, Half of our Profit Pearl sections have been sponsored, but there's another whole half that haven't. And mm-hmm. so we're going into this upcoming year believing that people are going to come alongside and go to NehemiasWall.com, go to BFAInternational.com and support our ministries individually, but also when we share what we're doing together, that they'll also do that. So this has been, Amen. for me, amazing. I want to thank all the people that have helped this year. Also, the BFA Bulletin is available on the front page. You can see the whole year end um, of what we're doing. So, is there anything else you want to say? It's, I mean, obviously, we went over a little bit. Only 11 minutes, though. So, that's not bad at all. That goes to the times that we went less than a minute. <laughs> anything else you want to say? No, I mean, yeah. Let, let, can, can we end the year in prayer? Absolutely. Let's okay. both pray. You know? Yeah, please. Okay. Father, I want to thank you so much for an amazing year, 2014. Though it's not according to the biblical calendar, those of us over here in the United States have been going through this year in 2014. We've had ups and we've had downs. But in the end, we know that you are the one who's in control and you are the one that will bring your people from all over the world to your land and with their friends and they will be your people and you will be their God. So in the midst of all of that, help us to be people who have hearts that are listening, hearts that are soft, eyes that are open, ears that are open, and help us to continue to do this process by faith as we bring uh, not only prophet pearls, but all the information that we have, the biblical information, inspiration, and revelation to people around the world that they will be able to have a solid foundation in their faith. Amen. Amen. Yehovah, Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, Yehovah, our Father in heaven, you are close to all who call you in truth, mm-hmm. as the psalmist said. And Yehovah, I ask that you, um, as you're gathering in the people from all over the world, mm-hmm. 
the people from the ten tribes and the two tribes and the mm -hmm. friends who have joined both of those groups, Yehovah, yes. I ask that you um, open our eyes and un uncover our eyes to the wonderful hidden things of your Torah, Yehovah, and that you reveal to us the high places mm -hmm. that are in our lives, the high places we don't even realize that in in, in humility and, and in, in truth and, and in, in, uh, with a open heart, we come to you, Yehovah, and we we come to those places to bring our sacrifices and we don't realize that this is a transgression of your Torah, but you still come and you meet us in those places. Yehovah, meet people in those places. Meet me, Yehovah, in dreams mm -hmm. and reveal to me as you revealed to Solomon the truth that would eventually bring him to Jerusalem. Yehovah, um, Yehovah, I look forward to the, the descendant of David who will be your King Messiah. Mm -hmm. Yehovah, I want to come before him and accept him as my king and know him. Mm -hmm. And Yehovah, live into this, this, this period where you describe here, where you will cut an internal covenant, a covenant of peace, Yehovah. Yes. Let us be in that covenant of peace under the reign of your King Messiah, in the line of David, Father. Let this be soon. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com.